Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. My wife and I were on the ninth floor at Duke Hospital. It's not the most cheerful place in the world. It's the cancer treatment floor. We were sitting in a room with my wife's best friend along with her husband. We had sat together many times in the past, watching our kids play ball, eating good food together, or just hanging around the fire pit. This time was different. Those times were fun. This time was difficult. We were in the presence of someone we had done life together. We had done life together with, and she was in the last days of a losing battle with an enemy that doesn't fight fair. Hospital tones always seem hushed and somber. Ours were breaking the silence Breaking the silence, Christy said, we always knew this day would come. And then she used some of her remaining precious energy and she raised her head and she locked eyes with my wife and finished her thought. We just thought we would always have more time. We just thought we would have more time. We're in the middle of a series that we're calling enough and whether we're talking about money or time, it just feels like or seems like that there's never enough. We feel like if we could get just a little bit more, if we could add to it, then we will be satisfied. If we could add a little bit more, then we will be fulfilled. But the problem is with resources, including time, is that they're limited. They're limited. Time has boundaries. We've all faced 168 hour weeks. We all face 24 hour days. Life is short and we're busy and we only have a limited amount of energy that we can bring. And we face a lot of options and they're all competing for our time. And there's a lot of things that we can do but what are the things that we must do? But the problem with it, when we face the boundaries of time, we don't even know when our time is up. We have no idea when our time will end, but what we do know is that when it does run out, we always wish we had more. See, what Christie had learned is what James, the brother of Jesus said, when he wrote, our lives are but a mist. Our lives are but a mist. Listen to his language. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You have no idea what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist 
that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So no matter how much time we get, no matter how much time we have, it never feels like enough. And we're always surprised that we don't have more. We always make this assumption that we'll be at the next event. We always make the assumption that we'll be there tomorrow. We always make this assumption that we're gonna have enough time. And when time seems to be crunched and we feel the press on it, we begin to ask questions, usually the wrong question. The question we tend to ask is, what do I have to do to get more time? What do I have to do to get more time? But I think that that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. The question that we need to be asking is, what can I do with the time that I do have? What do I do with the time that I do have? Not the time that I wish I had. See, there's a lot of things we can do, but what is it that we must do? And that's the question. That's the deal that I want us to wrestle to the ground tonight. If you have your Bible or electronic device, go ahead and grab that. And if you'll meet me at Psalm 90, meet me in Psalm 90. We'll get some of the verses up on the screens for you as well. Psalm 90 is a prayer written by a guy named Moses. Moses is one of the most well-known people in the Bible. He's well-known for leading the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery in Egypt. He, he led them through the, the Red Sea. He's also famous for receiving the Ten Commandments from God. And in this psalm, Moses is going to pray a very sobering prayer because he's going to talk about how fragile we are. He's going to talk a little bit about the wrath of God, and he's going to talk about the tremendous amount of grace and wisdom that we need so that we can properly manage our time in a way that pleases God. In the context that Moses is writing this, the time that he's writing this, he's just lost his brother. He's just lost his sister. They have died, and he's staring down the very real situation that his time is limited that he's nearing the end of his days. Now listen, listen, let me just be honest with you. The next few minutes, they're gonna be rough. They're gonna be rough as we unpack what Moses has to say. But if you'll hang with me, it's gonna get really good at the end, okay? So as we walk through this prayer of Moses, I want to show you from his prayer three truths. And then I wanna leave you with two challenges at the end, all right? Let's dive in. Here's the first truth. The first truth is that the clock is ticking and we are fragile. The clock is ticking. Isn't that so true? The clock is always ticking and we feel like time is getting away from us. The clock is ticking and we are fragile. But let me show you this. As Moses gets into the beginning of this prayer, he remembers to whom he is praying. And he says, Lord, and the, and the language here is Adonai. And this speaks to a God who governs the world. So when Moses is praying, he is praying to a big God. He hasn't forgotten to whom he is praying. He's praying to a big God. And he says to this God, you have been our dwelling place. You have been for us a place of protection, a place that we can turn to for safety. In verse two, he acknowledges that God, you created everything. And because you created everything and we have this promise of your protection and we have this promise of your presence and because of that, we can be safe. 
We can be safe. This is the God to whom Moses is aiming his prayers. And let me just nudge, if I can, just get into your business just a little bit. What is the size and the strength and the ability of the God to which you're aiming your prayers? Is the size of your God worth the aim of your prayer? Moses is praying to a big God. He is praying to a big God. Now from here, the prayer that Moses prays, it's gonna get rough for a little bit before it gets better. He says in verse three, listen, he says, you return man to dust. Remember the truth we said that the clock is ticking and we are fragile. And while God outlasts the most enduring things in all of the earth, man is frail and is going to return to dust. There's no doubt that what Moses has in mind here, he's going back to the first book in the Bible in the, in, in the third chapter where the curse is placed on man. And it says this in Genesis 3:19, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. But dust, why dust? Because this is pointing back to the beginning and the fall of man and the temptation that, that Adam and Eve had and the temptation that we have is, are we like God? We wanna be like God. And what they learn, the lesson they learn and what we're gonna figure out eventually if you haven't already is, you're not God either. You're not God either. Humankind was created from dust and we are going to return to dust. We are weak, we are fragile. We cannot control it and it's coming like a wave and death is following it. And then in verse four, what Moses goes to is he says this, that God has a different perspective on time. He talks about this, that a, a thousand, he says, he says, a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past. And when you hear the language like that, what that sounds like, it's like, wow, the time of our time is almost insignificant, that it doesn't really matter, it doesn't last, it's just a blip. And what we see is life is short and life is fragile. And Moses, to reinforce this in the next couple of verses, verse five and six, this is what he explains to us. He gives us three images to make his case. He says, we are easily swept away like a flood. We are easily swept away like a flood. A flood comes and whew, we're washed away. He says, we're like a dream and a sleep tends to imply death. But just think about that too. I mean, how many of you, when you wake up in the morning and this is what you're thinking, you're like, I think I had a dream. I have no idea what that was about. It's like it's there and it's gone. And then he says this, we are like grass. We flourish briefly and then wither. For some of us, that seems to be our experience. There was this season where we flourished and now we seem to be walking in this season of withering. And if you're not sure if you've started that, it, this is, how it, this is what, it, what it feels like. You wake up in the morning and you have to do an assessment about what may or may not be working before you even get out of bed. That's the withering. The withering is coming. The grind of life has a way of reminding us that we're fragile and that it doesn't take that much to do us in. It just doesn't take that much to do us in. And what if though in that moment and in that season when we're understanding and learning that we're fragile and time is fleeting, what if we learn to better prioritize the time that we do have? 
What if we'd learn to navigate and manage that time and stack up the things that really matter most right away? What could that look like? Before we get there, though, Moses gives us another difficult truth. So the first truth is this, that the clock is ticking and we are fragile. The second one is this, the clock is ticking and we are needy. We are needy. Being described as needy is rarely seen as a compliment. In fact, when we think of somebody who's needy, this is what we tend to think about them. Man, they're high maintenance. Mmm, high maintenance. Come on, everybody, we know somebody who's high maintenance, right? This is what we're thinking of, someone who is, who is needy. And when we look at this, what are the problems or what needs does Moses identify in his prayer? And remember, this is gonna to be tough before it gets better, so stay with me, okay? It's gonna get better. He says in verse seven, we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath, we are dismayed. Moses sees our problem as God's anger and his wrath. And the result of those, the result of God's wrath and the result of God's anger are our end and our dismay. And I don't know what you're thinking when you hear some of this stuff, but I don't want to end. I don't want to be dismayed. I don't know about you, but I just wanna be happy. I just want to be happy. In fact, when you're looking at this and maybe you're walking in for the first time or listening in for the first time and you're thinking, I thought God was a God of love. I thought God was about love. But listen, Moses continues. In verse eight, he says, you, speaking of God, you have set your iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your presence. Now listen. If you weren't uncomfortable up to now, you probably are there now. Moses has surfaced that we have this mortality problem, and now he's surfacing that we have a morality problem. We are sinners, and our sin is on full display before God. And we work so hard to keep our sin bottled up, we don't want people to see and notice, and we don't want that to get away. We don't want that stuff out there, but nothing is hidden before God. And look what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The clock is ticking and our lives are short. The clock is ticking and our lives are short and we struggle with sinful desires that have grave consequences. And we're trying to manage those and navigate those and keep those bottled up and hidden, but they are on full display before God and our tendency is to live in denial. We tend to live in denial that our time is fleeting and we live in denial that our actions have consequences. We think that we can manage and handle both of those. In verse 9, Moses begins to connect our short lives and the misery, our short lives and misery to God's anger. But listen, come on, guys. You know this by experience, by how someone has treated you or how you have treated others. Sin separates, it disrupts, it destroys. It disrupts. It destroys. In the wake of sin, there is brokenness and destruction. And in that space, this is what we need because we're needy. 
We need restoration and everything that comes with that. We need healing. We need forgiveness. We need hope. We need restoration. But listen to this. this I mean, this is, this is Moses as he's praying this prayer. He's like, in verse 10, if you live 70 years, yeah, it's pretty normal. If you live 80, it's because you got a little extra strength. But you need to understand, this is him talking to us. We need to understand that even that is short. And in that space, it's going to be a life full of toil and full of trouble. In other words, this is what Moses is saying. You got life, you got problems. You got life, you got problems. And when you read this psalm, particularly as you move into verse 11, you have to wonder, what's driving God's anger? Why is God mad? Why is this situation the way it is? And then in verse 11, Moses asks this question and he calls us to think. He calls us to think. Now here, we live in a culture where we're not too excited about thinking. We don't like to dive too deep because we're not sure what we may discover there. But he calls us to think. And here he's asking these questions and looking into, well, why is God mad? Why is he angry? And he even uses this language, the wrath of God. What's that all about? But what if this, what if this is the result of you seeking to find your fulfillment and your satisfaction in something other than him? Hmm. Where are you trying to find your satisfaction? And then maybe you need to ask the question, well, how do you even tell? You're trying to figure it out. Well, how do I even tell? Well, what do you put first in your day? What do you give your first energy to of the day? That it could be an indicator. Do you ever pause to track the trajectory of your life and how you're living? And if you followed the trajectory of your life and you saw where it was going to end, in that place, is that where you want to be in five years, in 10 years, at the end of your life? Have you ever thought about the trajectory and how you're spending your time? Are you investing your time? Are you settling for something less than the best? Are you a settler? Some of us, it gets hard. So in that, the pain and the difficulty of life, we just say, eh, I'll just settle. I'm happy here. Are you believing the lie? Are you believing the lie that something less than a connection and a relationship with Jesus Will fulfill, will fulfill you and satisfy you fully. Listen, you will not begin to prioritize your life. You will not begin to prioritize your time properly until you understand your situation fully. You will not begin to prioritize your time properly until you understand your situation fully. Moses, is, as he's praying and walking us through this, he's trying to get us to understand the depth of our frailty and the extent of our need. Do you understand the extent of your need and the, and the, the bigness of your frailty? And Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, this is what he says when he's writing to believers in, in, in Rome, he aims to make this extremely clear. He points out that we're all sinners and that we fall short of God's standard. 
and their consequences of falling short of God's standard that results in a difficult life and ultimately it results in death. And maybe you're asking, what's the point of all this gloomy information? And that's fair. I, I get it. That's fair. What's the point of all this gloomy information? I came in here to get a message and some hope tonight and you're killing me. What's the point of all this gloomy information? One of my favorite writers is a guy named Tim Keller, and I think he gets at what Moses is trying to say when he writes this. Only when we see the depth of our sin will we be electrified by the wonder of grace. Only when we see the depth of our sin will we be electrified by the wonder of grace. See, sin should not be something that tantalizes us. It should not be something that we view with fascination. It's not something that we should even flirt with. It's something that we should avoid with great urgency. With great urgency because we know the consequences. That it leaves collateral damage. That it leaves pain. That it leaves sorrow. And Moses has experienced this firsthand. Moses has experienced this firsthand. This is why he says what he does in verse 12. Now, if you've dozed off, you need to wake up and lean back in because we're, we're almost getting to some hope. But this verse 12, this verse 12, you need to circle it, you need to underline it, you need to highlight it because this is where Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Notice that Moses doesn't pray for more time, that Moses doesn't pray for the removal of misery. What he prays for is that he would be self-aware that he would be self-aware. He wants to live well morally in light of his mortality. What a great ask, because a wise person does the right things at the right time in the right way. How many of us, if we would strive after being wise, that we would do the wise thing and the difference and the impact that would make in our life if we were making good choices? Because look, when Moses says, number our days, this means more than just counting our days, like, oh, Wednesday, Thursday, yay, Friday. It means more than that. It means planning your days. It means executing the plans that you have made and then evaluating the plans that you've executed against. This is what, this is what Moses is after when he says, number your days. And by doing this, you will realize fully that you are fragile, that you have a limited amount of energy, you have a limited amount of time, and our time is, is fleeting. It's fleeting, it's, it's, it's limited. And you will realize how important it is to begin to plan and to prioritize the time that you do have. If, listen, if you desire, if you desire a satisfied, fulfilled life that is disciplined and devout and productive, we need wisdom. We need wisdom. We need to pray what, what Moses just prayed. But where do we go to that? Where do we turn for that? Because we're fragile and we're needy and stupid is often a live option when it comes to the decisions that we make. Fortunately, fortunately, there's a third truth. The clock is ticking and God is gracious. The clock is ticking and God is gracious. After acknowledging that we're fragile and needy and asking God for wisdom to navigate our time and to that we would do it well, Moses moves to a series of requests in verses 13 through 16. And perhaps this is the prayer that a wise person would pray. 
And he makes this, these requests, and he's seeking rescue, he's seeking relief, and ultimately he's seeking restoration. Return, O Lord, how long? How many of we've been in that place? Return, O Lord, how long? Lift this heaviness, lift this darkness. I don't want to do this anymore. This is zero fun. Have pity on us or have compassion. This is what he's asking for, compassion. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. Look at Moses. He's aiming to the source, the only true source of satisfaction. He is seeking God for satisfaction and fulfillment. He says in verse 15, make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. And for as many years, as many years as we have seen evil. Restore this. Just think about this a minute. What if you really leaned in? What if you really leaned in and sought a heart of wisdom? If you leaned in and you chase after with all your energy a heart of wisdom, what could that look like? What could be redeemed if this is what you chase after? What could be restored? What could be redeemed? What could be rescued? And what could this mean for you personally? What could it mean for your family and your community? What could it mean for our church if together, collectively, we sought a heart of wisdom so that we would manage our time well, that we would make wise choices? What could that mean if we sought with everything we had a heart of wisdom? Moses says, let your work be shown. Let your work be shown to us in verse 16, and not only to us, but to our children. Moses is seeking compassion and grace. And he knows that apart from God's favor and God's presence and God's blessing, that our time means nothing. This prayer is extremely clear that our predicament is truly desperate and that we need to be rescued and that we need to be delivered. But God in his gracious kindness, God in his gracious kindness provides for us a deliverer. He provides for us a deliverer. He sends his son at just the right time. And I, I get it, God's timing, it, it almost never feels like it's the right time, right? But at just the right time, he sends his son on a rescue mission to give us the opportunity to have a restored relationship with our creator and the opportunity then that we could use our time wisely so that we could make our days count. In fact, if you notice in verse 13 through 16, everything that Moses prays is fulfilled in Jesus. Everything that he prays is fulfilled in Jesus. And Moses comes to verse 17 and he closes his prayer. Let the favor of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And we've considered that we're fragile. We've considered that we're needy. We've talked a little bit about so far that God is gracious, but perhaps we need to consider this. Let me push into your business just a, a, another time. Maybe not the last time, but another time. Are, but are we gracious to other people? Are we gracious to the people that we lock eyes with? Are we gracious to our family members and to our neighbors? You see, God has been kind and gracious to us. Are we kind and gracious to others? Because here's the thing, you're fragile and you're needy, but so are they. So are they. And your graciousness 
could play a key role in opening the door to them finding restoration. Your kindness and your graciousness could open the door to them finding the restoration and healing that they need. This is what Moses learned and what we need to understand. We need to count our days so that our days will count. We need to count our days so that our days will count. And maybe you're asking, how do we do that? How do we count my day? I don't want to know how to count my days. Let's go back to the question I asked at the beginning. How do I use the time that I have been given? Let me give you two challenges. Let me give you two challenges. The first one is this. Pursue Jesus fully. You must own your relationship with Jesus. You must own your relationship with Jesus. And by, by, by pursue this, this is what I mean, that you must chase after this connection and this relationship as much as it depends on you. See, we are prone to be selfish and self-centered especially with our time. But Jesus says this. He says this to all. If anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. And then he says, and follow me. So begin to wrestle and think through, what does it look like for me to deny myself? What would it look like for me to take up my cross daily? What is my top priority? Where do I give my best energy? What do I need to deny? What do I need to take up in order to see that happen? And I get it, I get it. This is what I know about you. You're super busy. You're super busy. Well, guess what? We're all busy. We're all busy. And I know that we all wish we could get more time, but John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, gets it right. He says the solution to an overbusy life is not more time. It's not more time that you need. It's not more time that I need. It's to slow down and simplify our lives around what really matters. And here's the question. Here's the question. What matters to you? What really matters to you? If you desire to pursue a relationship with Jesus, you must orient your life and your habits and your routines around developing that relationship because you always have time. We always have time for what's first. And what could that look like? This is what I think it could look like. It looks like giving generously to the things that matter to Jesus. And you know what matters to Jesus? His connection and his relationship with you. What would it look like if you begin to carve out time in the morning when you woke, the first thing that you did was cultivate a relationship with him setting aside time for prayer, setting aside time to read your Bible. And maybe you're thinking, I don't even know how to do that. Well, I'd hope we want to help you with that. We have a series of classes we call the growth track and you can sign up for that. And in those classes, you can ask all kinds of questions and be resourced with a number of tools that can help you in your relationship with Jesus. It will help it flourish. It'll help it grow. You know what else matters to Jesus? Others. Others matter to Jesus. What would it look like if you gave of yourself and gave of your time and committed to community and served selflessly and you connected intentionally? You know what else? Jesus cares about the world. What would it look like if you gave financially to see the message of the gospel go to the ends of the world? Are you using your best time to pursue your relationship with Jesus? 
That's the first challenge. Here's the second. Here's the second. Invest in your family deeply. Now, here's the thing about these two challenges that I'm giving. You can't delegate them. If you don't do these, they won't get done. You can't delegate them. Invest in your family deeply. A number of years ago, it dawned on me that only I could be the husband to my wife and the father to my children. And I get it. It may not be earth shaking to you, but it jolted me. It became a reality check for me. Listen, only you can bring you to the table. You need to be present in their life. They need your perspective. They need your voice. But here's the thing, this is a challenge because it's gonna require a large investment of time because quality time flows from quantity of time. And here's the thing, not every minute with you is gonna be awesome. Not every minute with you is gonna be awesome. But in the quantity that you give, there will be some time, some time that is quality out of all of those hours that you invest. And see, this investment is likely to stretch you some. You're gonna be stretched. You're gonna be stretched. Because to invest in others means you're gonna have to go where they are. To invest in others means you're gonna have to go where they are. And a lot of times, I really don't wanna go where anybody is. I prefer if they would come to me. I have three sons. One of my favorite things to do with them was backyard baseball. We played it for hours, hours, in the boiling heat, in the cold, in the rain. It was a great time to connect with them. It was a great time to exercise. It was a great time to have some fun. There was occasional a tear. But in 2012, I had a near-fatal brainstem stroke. And one of the lingering effects was that, of that was some vision issues. And what that meant was no more backyard baseball. And for me, that felt like loss. To me, that felt like time was ripped away from me. For me, it was a grieving process. But this is what I learned in that season, that life is but a mist. And I have no idea I have no idea what tomorrow brings. I learned also that I need to be strategic and invest my time wisely and not waste a second on things that do not matter. Not a second on things that don't matter. Recently, my sons brought to me this idea of playing disc golf, and I thought, you know, throwing a Frisbee at a basket, how hard can it be? Do you realize that there are like multiple discs involved to do this. There's drivers, there's mid-range, there's putters, there's rollers, rollers. Man, I have a lot to learn. And maybe you're thinking like, why would you bother doing that? Why don't you just relax and, and use your time for yourself? Let me tell you why I do this. Let me tell you why I bother learning this. Let me tell you why I go out in my backyard and practice because I love my sons and I wanna spend time with them and have fun again. And this is what I know that one day my time will come to an end. And the time I invest in them now will have influence on them now and on their children and on their children's children. There will be a legacy because of the investment and the priority I make with them now. And here's the thing, the same is true with you. What are you giving your time to? What are you investing in?
The clock is ticking and our time is limited. And no matter when it runs out, no matter when it runs out, we'll always wish we had a little bit more. It's never enough. Here, what could that even look like for your family? Maybe you need to start having a five minute family devotion at the supper table. Or maybe if that's where you have the family food fight, maybe a different place. Maybe you should pray together with your kids before bed. Maybe you should have a game night. Listen, we're pro fun at Hope. You can have a game night. And some of the things, some of you are sitting here today, you're thinking it's too late. You're thinking it's too late to have any impact, to have any influence. That you've missed your window, that you've missed your opportunity. But let me encourage you. Let me encourage you, as long as you're breathing, there is time for restoration. As long as you're breathing, there's time for healing. As long as you're breathing, there's time for repair. And in that space, you can have influence. At the beginning of this psalm, we find these words. It says, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Moses, the man of God. At the end of your time, how do you want to be described? What do you want to be remembered for? Because what we're remembered for is usually the result of the decisions we made. And the decisions that we make are often the overflow of how we managed our time. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. The question that you need to wrestle to the ground is this, what should I do with the time I do have? What should I do with the time that I do have? Count your days, count your days so that your days will count. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your graciousness and your kindness. Lord, thank you that you're a coming down kind of God that gives us opportunity to have a restored relationship with you and that you are a God of wisdom and who is who is happy to give us that wisdom so that we can live our lives well in a manner that's pleasing to you. Lord, for all of us that are listening, that are sitting in any of our campuses, that are tuning in around the world, we just pray that you would give us a desire to have a heart of wisdom. And may we seek it from you and may you grant it. Lord, help us then to live wisely and make our days count. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and wanna check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, Go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.